So I want to make some advertising for gentle, stable attention. <laughs> and uh, I don't know, for some years in my own practice, at one point I kind, I kind, I kind of gave up on that, on it, or I let go of it. So I, I went more to the teachings, to the non-dual teachings, to the open choiceless awareness teachings, yeah? until I, re- I realized that I gave up on gentle, stable attention because I have, haven't had received good instructions. I have had received instructions from people, Tibetans, who don't do the practice. Who, who who treat a text like you know there is this Kamala Shila text um, where the where he describes the stages of how to cultivate stable attention they they treat that as a kind of philosophical treatise and they study it and they memorize it and they debate how what Asanga says to it and so they are like uh, Buddhism professors who you know. I mean, you can teach a Buddhist text without practicing or without just out of intellectual curiosity. So, when those teachers uh, uh, dis- describe these practices, uh, I couldn't find the correspondence in my own experience. I, I-, I couldn't see what what I couldn't. I, I couldn't find the reference objects of the words. And the reason for that was they didn't know what the reference objects was. They just knew the words. So, and that changed because I found people um, and teachers and I found instructions from people <coughs> who actually focus on the practice and not on the on the words, on the books, and on the debate, and on the uh, on the uh, uh, intellectual security. And uh, can I just have a very small question? Yeah. In the debate that they're doing in the Tibet, is it because I've in my imagination before it was like I think there was like what is the blue sky, and then there was like searching and contemplating, and then there came an answer, but. Maybe it is like that. It's like it's a given answer they're doing, and then the other person says like also a given answer. So it's not really. It's not really creative. No, no. it is because because uh, it's it's very formal. But also, uh, in the end, you have to come to the conclusion of Lama Tsongkhapa because he is right. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so of course they they say you know you need to think and you need to debate and and you need to think for yourself and so that's what they say but they never leave their system of thinking. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, so you you have to think your way through all of this, but you have to come to this conclusion of Ramatsongkapa. Um so, but no, so they would do the same kind of debate with Kamala Shila's text, with the nine stages of developing gentle attention. They would debate it. <coughs> yeah. uh, so, so now I'm going to uh, start to 
to share a bit. Uh, I mean, it's it's a lot, so I, I can't do this in this retreat. But uh, for example, in Malmö, I am going to go through this nine stages, and I will make recordings of this teaching, so you can listen to them. Yeah? So it will it will start in September. Um, So, I, I don't want to add too many details to what I already said. It's more uh, that I, 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 I would like to encourage you uh, to, if you have let go of the project, to develop gentle, stable attention, to pick it up again. And if you are a beginner, then you know... Uh, I, I try to. I would like to encourage you to make it part of your practice. Yeah. And uh, if you, no, what happened then with me, uh, supported by these instructions, mainly from the Thai forest tradition, because they are, you know, they are the opposite to the Tibetans. They they meditate. That's what they are. They, they get like a few words of instructions and then and then they <coughs> meditate. Yeah. So if you want to find uh, like uh, the meditators uh, in the Buddhist tradition in Europe, then probably the Thai forest tradition is the best. Like places like Amaravati or Shithurst in England. Uh, Thai, Thai, Thailand, Thailand, Thai, Thai okay. forest. Forest, okay. Thai forest tradition. There's a few places in England. So uh, these people, uh, the monks there, they live in kutis in the forest and they meditate. And that's what they do. And some of them have done this for 30, 40 years. So and they and, and, no and they and they are there i mean they have experiences of the nine stages and also of the four what is called the four absorptions or the four dhyanas yeah they have experiences of that and uh, and uh, and they have their own words to describe the experiences and how you get there but then <coughs> Uh, what happened then for me, when I then go back to the teachings I received within the Tibetan tradition, I see, wow, this is a perfect map. This is exactly how it is. Mm. Yeah, It's just uh, that... I, so I started to uh, bring together the words in the, in the teachings in the Tibetan tradition and experience. And I realized, wow, this is really a map. And it is exactly like that. Mm. I thought, wow, this is so amazing that uh, that you know this the landscape of our mind is is a landscape uh, which we can explore. And it's like, and there is people who, who have been tracking in this landscape, yeah, and they have described the valleys and the heights and what to do and how to get there and where you can fall and where is the restaurants and, <laughs> yeah. and it's like wow this is so strange that there is a that of course it's also individual so it's not like uh, this journey will not be exactly the same for everyone but uh, 
there's very common landmarks marks and very common things uh, which support you on the journey yeah so like it's always good to have good shoes yeah that's yeah the text you refer to they are a real map yes they are a real map yes his holiness often says that first listen then meditate uh, study and then meditate on Mm. so Sankhapa was a uh, Medi- he meditated. Uh, I guess so, yes. Yeah. Mm. Uh, so, let, let me ask. Yeah. Do, do you mean that, that in Tibetan tradition mainly there's not so much meditating? Is that what you're saying? <laughs> or, or am I... Uh, in the, uh, uh, at least in the tradition where I was trained, in the Galuk tradition, they are kind of the scholars. Yeah? Mm. Like... Uh, they, they, so they emphasize that a lot. So from the Western monks I, I have met, I mean, there's maybe one or two I have met who actually sit down. I mean, they medi- all they all meditate, yeah. Mm. But to really, uh, to really get into, to really explore this territory, they, they, it's few because they are so busy in learning Tibetan and doing the rituals and purification and accumulation of merit and studying and more studying and more studying uh, so and and it's valuable yeah it's not a waste of time it's valuable uh, so mm, you know one one thing is it seems to be the case that awakening is more an accident rather than something you can strive for so it is it i wouldn't i wouldn't say like okay now you 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 cultivate stable attention and then in the end there will be awakening awakening can break into our life at any moment in in, in any in, in any stage and actually um uh, to be too uh, kind of too goal oriented uh, in 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 your meditation practice is 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 not making you accident prone. <coughs> Counterproductive. Yeah. Yes. So it could have been good for me that I kind of I mean I don't care so much about the stages. Uh, you know. I mean I I go for it, but it's like. It's not like I don't expect. Okay, if my, if my mind, if if this gentle, stable attention com- comes more to the foreground, I it's more likely that I that I have awakening experience. I, I don't expect that. Mm. Yeah. So I I think it's a good for me. It is a helpful thing to be really relaxed with mm. it, but still go for it. Mm. Yeah. So, you know, in the Tibetan, in the in the Gluk tradition, they say that there's a, a lot of people who have deep awakening experience during debate. Yeah, because they they you know, when you are really engaged in the debate, your mind is focused, and if you uh, debate on emptiness, yeah, then it happens uh, for people in the on in the debate court that they have this breakthrough experiences and they didn't have time to meditate at all they were busy every morning memorizing and 
you know, reciting and uh, so, but but they have these experiences. Mm. Whereas maybe someone who meditates and meditates, but there's too much attention, too much grasping, too much aversion, uh, then it it could be rather an obstacle to meditate. Maybe then it's just better to go for walks and enjoy nature. Uh, one, the first awakening experience uh, the Buddha uh, describes is when he was a young man, and so still in the palace and stuff like that, and he was lying under a tree. And then he was remembering a situation from childhood. And so his mind completely relaxed, and he had that experience of um, that, the, that the self uh, dropped away. And there was no meditation. So, so stable attention. I think it's it's one of the time-tested uh, practices in all spiritual traditions, which seems to make us accident-prone. And by the way, there's wonderful side effects. I mean, you can you look into clinical studies, you know, about blood pressure and creativity and, uh, you know, health issues and, and stuff like this. So there's also the, the kind of uh, uh, more worldly benefits of uh, uh, attention. Yeah. So part of uh, the emergence of gentle, stable attention is to create the right conditions and one of the conditions which are emphasized in the Buddhist teachings is uh, an ethical lifestyle, a non-violent lifestyle. So this is well, this is the meaning of higher trainings, the three higher trainings. First is uh, the cultivation of a non-violent lifestyle. Second is meditation. Third is wisdom. So these are the th- what is called the three higher trainings. And cultivating a non-violent lifestyle is the foundation, is the base, is the container. The reason for that is, uh, if you harm yourself and others, that creates uh, a certain energy which is not aligned with who you really are. In, in this kind of uh, process, uh, uh, starts to... No, this kind of process, even if it's not conscious, it's it's working on you. It it takes energy away. It and it creates. It creates. Uh, it 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 com- it will compete uh, with your attention. Yeah, and it it might show not as a conscious regret, for example, of something you did. Mm-hmm. It might show as a as a pain in your body. Actually, most of the discomfort and pain we experience in our body are this kind of past experiences which are stuck. Yeah. So it's not like uh, uh, kind of a, a lot of the pain, particular chronic pain or chronic discomfort we experience has nothing to do that there's something wrong with your body. No, it is, it is something which is 
some, some, something emotional which is stuck. So in these things, they will compete with your attention in meditation. Yeah? So the tiredness, the discomfort, the restlessness, the aversion, the resistance, all of that. And, and these are all things which come, which you have put, which we have put into the stream of consciousness through a violent lifestyle, harming us and others, through stealing, lying, cheating, uh, pushing others away, so through inconsideration, through uh, killing. Yeah. Uh, so the 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 cultivation of a non-violent uh, um, lifestyle in the Buddhist teachings you have n has nothing to do with morality, like you know trying to be good or uh, like uh, it's, it's, it it has it's just it's kind of practical. Okay, if you have a violent lifestyle, forget meditation. You're not going to have a peaceful meditation in after a day of stealing and lying. Because you're a good person and it will buck it will buck you. Even if you think of yourself as a really violent and bad person and you hate everything and 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 you want other people to hate, that's not who you are. So, so you, 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 you try to live a life where you move on and you don't have a sense you need to go back and fix things and do things differently. Now that's, that's the moments where we create karma, when we have like a feeling of going back and, and doing things differently and acting, uh, th acting differently. So you, you move on as best as you can. Of course, you will make mistakes, but when you make mistakes, you forgive. So now we have all this stuff yeah, going on, these processes, which interfere, which, which, uh, uh, which come into consciousness and meditation, or often in... in 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 terms of physical experiences, also they are actually emotional experiences. Uh, so one one part of this is how to work with this is this uh, uh, relaxing your aversion. Yeah? So if possible, you let it come, you let it be, you let it go. But quite often what we need to do is we need to put it into the center together with the breath. And I described this practice in the beginning of the retreat. You put it into the center and you love it to death. And, and this might take a few years. So it's a long-term project we are talking here. Yeah? And it's actually a project not only for one life. It would be too uh, stressful. Yeah? <laughs> So you can relax. And also, you don't need to be afraid that you miss something. Like, no, it's, it's not going, it will come back. So it will come back and you can give it the love you are able to give now and then it might disappear again. Out of your conscious mind, it will not disappear. It will still be a process in the subconscious mind and it will, and it will surface again. And... 
and also the, the conditions in your life, they will take care that it will surface again. <coughs> so you will have plenty of men coming into your life to clarify the relationship with your father. Yeah, so <laughs> you can <laughs> and they will continue to turn up until it's clarified, until it's loved, and until it's healed. And you can relax, they will come. Yeah, and you don't need to seek them out or and you also don't need to uh, stay in a place where you uh, feel it's too much. I know it's there, but the, the most kindly thing I can do right now is to remove myself a bit from it and keep it a bit there and it keeps on turning and, and you do your healing process. So relax, it's, uh, it's all fine, it's all mapped out, it's all, uh, it's all, you know, the love will prevail because that's the only thing which is real. Everything else is unreal. Everything else does not exist, except in our imagination. So we can we can relax, yeah. and that what is real love was never uh, harmed or never destroyed or it it was not poisoned. It, it's uh, it's indestructible. Uh, where did I want it to go? So the, ah, so yeah. So one of the practices in the Tibetan Buddhist tradition, how to, uh, you know, uh, heal these complexes of regret and guilt and violence in our past, in this life and in past lives, is the practice of Vajrasattva. So if you're interested in that and you have heard something about it before, I, 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 I gave a Vajrasattva course in Malmö for a year. So I can give you the link to the recordings. So we are, we are you know, so it was a group of people and we practiced uh, in, that, in that year the practice of Vajrasattva and then we met and I gave teachings and we did it also together. So, so this is one of the so-called purification practices, which is maybe better called healing practices. Because what you, what you do in the, in the Vajrasattva practice, you bring the stuff up. Yeah? So you bring the stuff up, you bring it into the consciousness, and then you love it to death. By uh, responding uh, to the stuff which comes up with kindness, with love, with curiosity, with investigation. And how do you bring it up? Huh? How do you read it? Um, by uh, you, you can uh, you can just trust uh, that by through res- through the practice and reciting the mantra that stuff comes into the into the consciousness because you kind of give a signal you invite you kind of you say to the to this ritual you say you no know, a ritual is the purpose of a ritual is always to create a space where things can happen. Because it's like you don't need to decide oh, what what do I do next. But the, the ritual gives you the rhythm, yeah, and it, it 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 creates like an empty space where things can emerge, 
and this is uh, what happens in the Vajrasattva practice, uh, that um, sometimes life uh, doing Vajrasattva practice becomes more difficult for people because more emotions come up, more difficult situations come, uh, sickness might arise. uh, So it's 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 uh, there's a there's a, no there's a list of side effects. <laughs> you need to read them, <laughs> and, and then you have to value. You know, like okay, the benefits are this, the side effects are this. Okay, do I want to take this medicine? Yeah. Um, uh, and the other is you can uh, you can. Um, kind of through uh, through reflection you can bring up stuff for example you can work with the 10 non-virtuous actions which are you know another another way to talk about uh, violent behavior so and then uh, so one of the non-virtuous actions for example is uh, envy yeah and then uh, and then you and then you then you work with that so you look into it uh, in your life, where's the envy? Where's my habit of envy? And and then and then you work with it. But also then, because you identify that energy of envy now, that is an indication it has been there also in past lives. So you kind of become a bit clairvoyant. I mean, <laughs> I'm not saying that you start to remember past lives, but you kind of you imagine. How, what the envy would have been able to 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 make you do in other conditions, in more tight conditions, in 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 conditions where resources were scarce. So what what would your envy what what would it lead to? So and suddenly you would start to feel, wow, I'm actually not that nice person I thought I am. I'm just kind of nice because I'm living in, in, in safe Sweden and I know that I have to eat and to drink and I, I have shelter and I have my pension. That's why I'm so nice. Uh, so and then, and then the Vajrasattva practice uh, actually reaches like deep into the shadow yeah? and, and, and brings things up which we now see happening in other countries and uh, with the Nazis and and stuff like this, and so and that's how you you uh, you you purify or you heal, yeah. And then if you do that, uh, you experience that um, in the practice of stable attention that uh, less of that stuff comes up because you 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 forgave and you let go. And you loved it to death, so and then and that supports then the the emergence of stable attention. There will be more p- less processes happening at the same time, calling for your attention. What was that uh, practice called? Not Vajrasattva, but the other thing you said uh, when you talked about envy and uh, violent, not something. I think the, the ten virtuous, ten non-virtuous actions. Yeah. 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 Um, I not but, but uh, yeah. um, I find um, uh, very many people um, 
they do a lot of healing work with the different form of rituals and meditations mm. and the previous lives and and uh, I have done that too and uh, felt uh, it's so easy to get lost in the mm. process. Mm. Um, I have a very very strong feeling nowadays that the energy is meant to be here, mm. exactly here. Yes, but it is just in the Vajrasattva practice, the energy is here. Okay. You work with that which what is here. Yeah. You don't work with <laughs> what what is what was back then. Okay. Yeah. But I see your point, and mm. it's mm. it's right. Uh, it's it's like finding the balance. It's like uh, you know the same with psychotherapy. I said you can do it for thirty years and. Mm. And you just stir up more stuff. So, and also yeah. this kind of, you know, uh, preoccupation. You know, this is uh, with rituals. With uh, this, this can be an obstacle. Yeah, because in that way it, it gets like a running away. Yes. It gets like a hiding. Yeah. Yes. Hiding yeah. from yeah. the presence. Yes. And if everyone put the presence here. Yeah. And. Uh, it really make a difference. Yeah. There's many. Uh, there's many. Traps one can fall into this <coughs> when when we when you do this kind of healing practices, mm -hmm. and one of them is that you feel oh I'm a healer, and this is in the what what you could call the new age scene. That's how everyone wants to be a healer, mm. and it's just a it's just a ego thing. Do you think it's possible to do Vairasattva practice like by yourself by mm. studying? Yes, sure. You don't have to have a no, okay. no. It's uh, it's uh, it's been uh, practiced like that. Uh, they say it becomes more powerful when you receive the initiation. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I can. Maybe that's the case. Uh, but uh, no, you can do it on your own. Mm. Yeah. But to take an initiation also involves mm. to take a teacher. Yeah, so yeah. The, the, so this is to take an initiation also involves to take the teacher as a teacher to be to know that. Yeah. I didn't yes. understand that. You you the when you take an initiation, the 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 tantric master who gives you the initiation, you. You create a bond with him. Oh. He becomes so your master. It's, it's like okay. you, you you enter you enter a, a traditional relationship, okay. which, which with its own rules. And so there are side effects to that as well. Yes. Read, <laughs> read the side effects before you take an initiation. <laughs> yes. Before going to an initiation to understand more about it. Yes. Yeah, I just wanted to say, I know Iliva, and I did uh, maybe someone else, uh, three months uh, for the Satsang retreat mm. in Kopan, and I feel it's the best uh, investment I've done in my life. And uh, it's really was, I mean, apart from I mean, very hard work and so on, but one of the big insights also was the, that the method is so effective and it really, really works. Mm. Mm. So let's go to Kopan. Let's go. <laughs> <laughs>
something about not making different? Do you mean the past to think that uh, this should be should have been done differently? Because there is a kind of regret in this other suffer. Yes, the the regret is uh, the the regret is taking responsibility that you made a mistake, mm. but not in a so guilt would be then oh I'm such a bad person and you know I feel so bad about doing it and you know it's it's a sign that I'm bad so. Actually, the best I can do is to do it again to find some relief from my guilt. <laughs> That's the you know, what alcoholics often do. They feel so bad because they and they feel bad, of course, because they hurt the people they actually love. Mm. They really love their children and their wife, but uh, they are, you know, so because there's no free will. They can't just say, okay, I stop. Because there's nobody in charge. There's nobody there who could make that decision. So and then and then there's guilt. Yeah. And the best way they found in their life to deal with something which is painful is to drink. And this is like uh, like something we can recognize in ourselves. So I'm not I'm not talking about someone else. It's so regret is something else. Regret is like uh, being in in touch with your uh, basic sanity, with your indestructible goodness. So that's the foundation. And then I'm a human being and we all make mistakes. We all fuck up. We all create a mess. Not because we are bad, but because we're confused. We, we lose touch with our goodness. So, and then this uh, taking responsibility, yeah. This, this deed had consequences, I've hurt others. So you take responsibility for it. Mm-hmm. And then you heal it to death. You, you love it to death. You, you, you let go. And then the, in the Vajrasattva practice, you use the visualization of this healing nectar of emptiness, yeah, but just then flushing out the uh, the the conditioning. And with that you also uh, create the con the the causes for not acting in the same way. Because you, you clean the the deeper causes. So you work with the, the conditioning. So, so that's how you, that's how you then make sure that out of this stream of consciousness, which had this habit of stealing, uh, less stealing will happen, less and less. There is also an intention to not repeat. Yeah, that's what I just yeah. said. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Okay, so that was a long talk.
when that happens, you know, you talk a lot about stable attention, so then there's hardly any time left to <laughs> <laughs> and it's all exciting and it's so nice to talk about stable attention and you get inspired, yeah. And and then you think, yeah, I'm going to do it, yeah. But, oh, time is up. <laughs> That's the stories of the Tibetan geishas. (laughs) (laughs) So, oh, now I'm 65, I'm too old now. (laughs) (laughs) So, yeah, let's just sit with whatever is present for you (coughs) without manipulating, without resisting (coughs) and just sliding kind of open all doors, uh, all windows of your senses and some inspiration or some joy, some pleasantness, just appreciate, enjoy the liveness, vividness. then gently you start to bring your object into the foreground, into the center, and you start to engage with that, while peripheral awareness 
gives space for things to come, to be and to go. Object that what you engage with could be a mental image but if you meditate on the breath then you don't meditate on a mental image <coughs> so you search, you look for the sensations for the subtle energies find yourself entangled in thoughts, you realize the insubstantial nature of the thoughts, that they are nothing and that they are not helpful just now. They are like drawings on water. The moment they appear they are gone. No big deal. And most of them really boring. So then you drop back into the body. Letting go of the mental image of the body Letting go of the sense that you are sitting in your head, looking down. Being the breath. Resting in the breath.
if there's a tiny little peace, a tiny little joy, we appreciate. So there's always the possibility to gently shift what you want to engage with. For example, the wind. So you can shift to the wind. to stay engaged with the breath and let the other objects come, be and go through introspective awareness within peripheral awareness. So you can play around. So certain processes come and be and go <coughs> and you might be able to stay engaged with the breath. But if that is not possible, you put them together with the breath onto the stage. So in a way, in this way to meditate, there's no obstacles, because the obstacles themselves become the object of your meditation.
and then after a while it might be possible to let the object which you added you release it into the peripheral awareness and you stay engaged with the breath again meditation again with the emphasis on uh, gentle stable attention <coughs> <coughs> 